Y'all look so wonderful. Y'all are so beautiful. Thank God for y'all being here. Thank God for our live stream audience that have tuned in to to uh, to, uh, to share with us <laughs> this morning. I am grateful. Listen, I thank God too. Uh, we had an awesome EXO conference this past weekend and uh, got poured into. So thank God for those who share and those who work behind the scenes to make that happen. Uh, awesome two days. Uh, but thank God for each one of y'all uh, for being here today and being a part of this family of faith here at EBC. Um, before we go to our scripture, I want to read a little something that that I thought uh, dovetails into kind of what we were talking about in this second section of Relationship 101. Um, and how important it is for us as believers to understand how to relate to other believers. And even beyond that, how to relate to uh, the world at large. But particularly, it has to start in the church first. I've told you before, until the church gets it right, the world doesn't get it right. And so, but I ran across this because it, it it's based off of Romans 15 and 7. It says, therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us. Stories told of a frail old man who went to live with his son, daughter-in-law, and grandson. And every night, the family ate dinner together. But because of the old man's shaky hands, and blurred vision, he had difficulty eating. Peas would roll off his spoon and milk was almost always spilled on the table as he tried to take a drink. His son and daughter-in-law became frustrated and decided to have him sit at his own table in the corner where they wouldn't have to deal with the mess. I need y'all to just hear this right. Where they wouldn't have to deal with, everybody said the mess. Because he had broken a dish or two, they also gave him a wooden bowl to eat out of. One night, the father noticed his son playing with some wood scraps. And he asked him what he was doing. The son answered, I'm making a wooden bowl for you and mommy to eat from when I grow up. The parents were speechless and in tears. From that moment on, the grandfather ate at the table with the rest of the family and somehow the messes he made never bothered them again. Impatience can occur when expectations are not met. No one is perfect. Everybody say it with me. Say no one, no one is, perfect. is perfect. And wanting that from someone is frustrating and unproductive. Choose to love people for who they are as they are. That's how God loves us, and he asks us to do the same thing for others. Amen? Amen. I thought that was very uh, enlightening there, because as we get into this, ne- this uh, part two of accept one another, so many times we get frustrated with people, uh, we get bent out of shape, our hearts get all uh, swole or hardened because somebody who we're supposed to be relating with are not acting a certain way. But let me tell you something. Uh, the agape love that God talks about is a very special kind of love. And again, you won't be able to accept someone unless you have agape love abiding on the inside of you. Remember, uh, in, in first, just, just as real quickly, we, 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, go there right quick, verses 4 through 8. I want to read this to you again. Uh, because if we're going to do any of these things, if we're going to relate properly to one another, it has to start with, Loving one another. Paul, in this particular uh, passage of scripture here in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter verse number four, 
through a, Paul uses the word, I told you before, agape, to describe the highest level of love in this world. And uh, which is also the kind of love God expects every believer. Hear me carefully. God expects every believer, every believer, everybody say every believer, every believer. to demonstrate in his life agape love. Uh, this word agape describes a love that's so completely different from what the world offers that it is only used in the New Testament to describe God's love and the love that should flow from the hearts of believers. Are y'all tracking with me today? Uh, And as we look at this, uh, agape is a divine love uh, that gives and gives. Hear hear this, it gives and gives. Everybody say it gives and gives. Agape love gives and it gives. Hear this. Even if it's never responded to, thanked, or acknowledged. Agape love gives even if it's never responded to, thanked, or acknowledged. You could say that agape is a love that isn't based on response, but on a decision to keep on loving regardless of the recipient's response, amen, or lack of response. It's, it's the highest, most noble and the purest form of love that exists. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 describes the characteristics of agape love. God designed these verses, hear me carefully, to help us to determine whether or not we are walking in this kind of love in our own lives. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 with me. And let's start our reading at verse number four. Verse four says, uh, love, are we there? Love is what? patient and kind. Love is not. All right, stop. I got to stop right there. If agape love is being demonstrated, let's let's say, for instance, you are born again, believe you've been saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you speak in other tongues. But you're not patient. Huh? Is agape love exuding out of you at that point? No, it says love is patient is kind. Love is not what? Or boastful. What? Or proud. Can we keep reading? Or rude. How many of y'all have been rude to people? You born again believer, member of Elizabeth Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana? He says, it does not demand its own way. How many of y'all got to have it your way? If it ain't your way, you going out of the way, out the door. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. How many of y'all are some irritated folks? Say, but irritated. You're not ex- exemplifying agape love. I mean, I, I, listen, the joy that we have, the, the song you say, the joy that I have, this world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. So why are you letting people take your joy away? It says it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. How many of y'all got your little black book? Maybe not a physical black book, but mentally you got a little black book up in your mind. Says, I remember that what you did. I remember that what you did. And I ain't going to forget that. I got my eye on you because you did this last year. You did this 10 years ago. Some of y'all hold this stuff from 25 years ago. And it's caused your heart to be hardened. And it can easily happen. So don't look at me somebody, well, brother preacher, you know, you know, we Christians. Listen, if you're not careful, you're not on guard, 
It can happen. But he just gives us this to show us if we really are operating in agape love or not. It says it does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth, what? Wins out. Seven and eight says what? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through. I, I, need, I need us to read this once more and again. It says what? Love. Agape love never gives up. In other words, you don't give up on people. You don't throw them away. They may not be where you want them to be. They may not have accepted Christ Jesus, but you still, amen, don't give up on people. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Verse number eight, and we're going to move on. It says what? Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will do what? It will last forever. Amen. Paul wrote chapter 13 to show his readers the most excellent way to be one in the church, to be together in the work for the sake of the gospel. Everybody say for the sake of the gospel. The unity of the believers is for the sake of the gospel. We are to manifest and model authentic love for one another in and through the local church beyond ethnicity or, ethnicity or class distinctions. In other words, loving one another beyond the superficial divisions of this world is the most powerful way to express, hear me carefully, to express the reality, the presence, and blessing of God's love before a lost and dying world. Beyond ethnicity, beyond class distinction. I, want, I had a, a brother came to me uh, this, this past week and he, and he wanted to ask me about something that I said on last Sunday. He says, Pastor, when you, when you said that, it, I, I kind of felt the air go out of the room. And he gave me permission to share this. And, and, but he wanted the question, he says, he says, when you said it, it kind of hit a little different. You know, I, I, said, I said, if we're going to do ministry at the level that God has called us to do it, uh, we can't all be on Social Security. Y'all remember me saying that? Now, when I said that, here's what I was trying to, uh, to, to, to articulate. What I'm articulating is it does take money to do ministry. And if everybody's on fixed income, it's going to limit us in our ability to do the things that God wants us to do. There was no way, in, in no way slighting those who, are, who did all they have is Social Security. Thank God for Social Security and thank God for those who are receiving it. All right, but what I'm saying is, and, and I, but I went on and further to say that we don't make distinctions in people when it comes to income levels and titles. Y'all remember me saying that? I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what title you have out there. It makes no difference. When we come inside these doors. We are all the same. Amen. 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 But I want to clarify that because sometimes people will take somebody will take that one snippet out of the total of, of my teaching and, and start saying, well, oh, was, was he being arrogant? No, I was not. What I'm just trying to articulate is it takes money to do ministry and God is going to have people from all walks of life in the church. And Jesus ministered to everybody. Do y'all remember the widow with the one mic? Come on now, can, we talk, can I talk Bible to you? The widow with the one mic, amen. The, Jesus, the Bible says this, and I don't have time to go through the scripture, but the Bible says Jesus sat over against the treasury 
If you think he's not concerned about your giving, he watching how they gave. He sat over against the treasury and observed how they put money in. And as they walked around, will y'all allow me to use my spiritual imagination? And the Bible don't say this, but I'm going to use doorology right now. I can imagine some walked around like this here. Yes, I'm getting ready to put in my $50,000 check that I've earned for my, uh, my, my investments that I had the past year. You know, I, I'm putting in $50,000. And there were people in the corner going, oh, wow, what an awesome gift. And there were some other who, who walked around that may have gave $1,000. And they, and they held their gifts up. You know, you know y'all remember when we used to march when we gave? Any of y'all were in church when you marched around? And people would stroll and put their money in the basket up. If y'all, if, you, if that's not your, your upbringing, just, just trust me. We used to do it too, right? Yeah. And then we start passing the trades, right? And now we don't even pass the trades. And man, we just tell you on, on the screen, you can give. And we got drop boxes right here. And then you, 65% of y'all give online, right? But anyhow, he's over there watching how they give. And notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, as he observed this widow with the one might, the, 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 the gift that may seem minuscule to those who observe it from the outside, Jesus said, this woman has given more than all the rest of them. Yeah. See, God looks at things differently than the way we look at things. And I'm going to look at it the way Jesus looked at it. Amen. The widow with the one might is an illustration of when you give your all, when you give your very best, it is acceptable unto God. But if you gave 50000 when you should have gave 200000 God ain't played with the 50000 did y'all catch my drip? All right. So, but, 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 but here's what we had a great conversation. And here, here's what I told. I said, brother, man, I, I think, thank you. But, but that's what I've been teaching. And that's what I've been preaching. If there is something that I say that you don't understand, let's go to the book. Let me explain what I was talking about rather than getting mad and leaving without even any explanation. So, but we do have to have and it's, 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 it's in the word of God, people of different income levels coming together, but your income level don't make you special. Amen. Can I get a witness? Amen. How much you have or how little you have. We're going to all do our part. If you do your part, if you tie off of what you get, then, and then I tie off of what I get, then the, the body will be whole. Amen. There'll be no lack in the Lord's house. And that's the way we've done ministry for 35 years. And God has supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that's what mature believers do. They don't, they don't get mad and, 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 and leave. They come and ask questions. Come, let us reason together. Amen? Can I get a witness? Now, I need y'all to go back with me to the book of Romans. Amen? Romans. Go with me to chapter 1, verse number 16. The second deal we talked about was accept one another. We have to accept one another. But you can't really accept someone until you learn how to love. Right? Not your kind of love and my kind of love, but God's kind of love. Can I get a witness? That is critically important. Jesus, amen, we discovered as he reached out, as he told us the story of the Good Samaritan, as he told us about it, about his encounter, the scripture records his encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well, it was clear that Jesus was signaling and modeling a prophetic 
mystery that had been hidden in the Old Testament but will be revealed in the New Testament. And the mystery that was hidden in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament was the fact that the blood of Jesus brings Jew and Gentile together into one body. They didn't fully understand that under Old Covenant. But when Jesus came, he began to, to, to model that. He began to show that. He, he gave the parable of the Good Samaritan, which would have just blown those folks away because Jews and Samaritans hated one another. But it was a Samaritan who helped the Jew. Amen? And that, 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 that was beyond what was, what was traditional. That was beyond what was, quote, comfortable. I'm so tired of folks trying to be comfortable. If you're going to run with Jesus, there are going to be some times you're not going to be comfortable. And that's the problem with the church. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to to touch those who maybe they're not quite where they need to be. We don't want to interface with that person who may may still got some stuff in them that we, we don't like. But God has called us to go to them. Romans 1, are y'all with me today? Verse number 16, can we read together? Ready? Let's read. For I am not ashamed. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. It is the power of God at work saving how many? Everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. Now, let's go to the 12th chapter of Romans. And we're going to start reading at verse number nine, Romans 12, verse number nine. And we, here's what we left out on your outline, some practical ways believers can build bridges and accept one another. I got on my bridging the gap t-shirt today. I didn't have an NFL jersey to wear today. Maria went to uh, uh, Academy Sports and she says, baby, I got some Saints, some Saints jerseys here. I said, okay, I'm not really a Saints fan. I just watch football. I don't have a favorite team. When I was growing up, I used to have the Minnesota Vikings were my favorite team, but they went to four Super Bowls and lost all of them. <laughs> and when I was a young boy, uh, uh, the, the older guys, you know, Richard Ross and those guys used to tease me. Man, they te- I was almost about to cry <laughs> because I was pulling for those Minnesota Vikings and they would always lose in the Super Bowl. They would do well during the regular season, playing lights out. And Jeff, when they got to the Super Bowl, it's like they choked up. And I just, I just, and they would just tease me mercilessly about the Minnesota Vikings losing in the Super Bowl, okay? So I don't really have a favorite team. I don't know if it goes back. Maybe I need to go to counseling about that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't have, I don't have a favorite team today. I just watch the sport. Are y'all with me today? But, but bridging the gap, I don't know how I got off on that. How did I get off on that? My shirt bridging the gap. Okay, okay. Accountability. Oh, yes. Thank you. Sometimes I lose my train of thought. Academy sports. Maria went there and saw some Saints jersey. And, and she said, okay, you know, it, it's got Jameis Winston. I said, Jameis didn't even play in New Orleans, baby. I, I know he was on the team, but I don't want a Jameis Winston jersey. And she says, she said, Chris Olave's jersey. I said, okay, yeah. But then she told me how much they cost. <laughs> I think you told me a hundred and what? $130? I said, nah. <laughs> I mean, I know we told people to wear a jersey, but I'm not going to pay $130, amen, for that jersey because I probably want to wear it once or twice. 
Listen, I'm not knocking if you paid for it. Because NFL merchandise, official merchandise costs money. And stop, stop judging people for what they purchase. Just because I wouldn't buy it don't mean that you would have bought it. Right? And stop judging people for what kind of car they're doing. They, Man, that, that don't make sense, paying that much money for that car. If you had the money to pay for it, you probably would buy it. So I, you know, I don't judge people for what they buy because it's just, it's just material things. Just don't let the stuff that you buy have you. Can I get a witness? If I were a billionaire, I would probably buy a whole lot of stuff that I don't buy now. Amen? I think I'd make a nice billionaire. Do y'all think so? I saw, I saw, I was, I was watching this, this, this program and they were, they were talking about the super rich and the stuff they buy. They, 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 they had this, this yacht. Man, I think this yacht, man, this thing cost about $300 million for a yacht. It was a nice one. It wasn't, it wasn't your run-of-the-mill yacht. It was super nice. $300 million. And in my little mind, in my way of thinking right now, I'm like, ain't no way in Hades I would pay that much for a doggone boat. But if I had a billion dollars, I guarantee you my perspective would change. Are y'all with me? All right. So, so, so don't, don't judge people based off of what they buy and where they live. It ain't the stuff. Amen. You want to make sure that people's hearts are right. Can I get a witness? All right. So now watch. So practical ways we we believers can build bridges and accept one of the one of the things that we 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 have have, have taken as our mantra is is bridging the gap. So this shirt has has the cross there. It's just a bridge, but it's like a cross, and it's the bridge the gap. It's, it, we believe that it is God's mandate for this church as as it is every church. It is it is it is. It is it is intricately woven with the gospel message. It is all throughout. You cannot get rid of the fact that the mystery of godliness was that the gospel was to, to Jesus' death, burial, resurrection was done uh, in part to bring the ethnic groups together. And to show that unity, amen, to the world will give them the, the confidence to know and to understand that God, amen, is with the church. When they can see it, not just talking about it, as I told you on last week, not just when we get to heaven, we all get to heaven where the day of rejoicing is going to be. We should be rejoicing right now. It will be a day of rejoicing when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. I'm going to shout the victory right now because I know what Jesus has done for me. I know how he saved me. I know how he delivered me. I know how he's restored me and I know how he's using me to share his message. I'm going to rejoice right now. What an awesome picture if the world saw the church rejoicing, loving each other, amen, accepting one another, uh, 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 doing life together, serving together, amen, showing the world what it looks like, amen, for agape love to permeate through the hearts of mankind. So Romans 12 chapter, what, I, I got to move. Some practical ways believers can build bridges and accept one another. Listen, listen to what Paul says. Now remember, I told you on last week uh, in this and when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he writes this, and as the church has become more decidedly diverse, there were some, some cultural nuances and some, some issues that they were having as Jew and Gentile came together into this new institution called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes to encourage them how to accept one another. 
Because people will cut you off for some of the darndest things. People, people, will, people will, will not want to fellowship with you and not want to be around you because maybe you don't wear a dress to church. Okay? I love my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, and that's their conviction. They're going to wear those long skirts, and, and that's, that's cool. I'm, listen, if that's your conviction, do that, but don't, don't judge someone who does wear pants. Because my salvation, if you really want to get to know it, the truth of the matter is my salvation is not wrapped up in my dress. The Bible says dress in moderation. And I could give you countless other things where we will make a determination that we're not going to accept you because you do it this way. There are different administrations, but the same Lord. Okay? Can I get into the book? Because my time is running. And I understand some of y'all were running this morning when the hail started hitting the roof of this building and it sounded real loud. But uh, thank God that it moved on through. Now watch this, watch this, Romans 12. So he's writing, say, listen, you you guys got to get this thing together because you got to display this unity so the world can see, amen, the power of agape love operating in your lives. Verse number nine. Y'all heard this before. Let's read together. Y'all ready? Romans 12 says, what? Don't just pretend to love others. So I want to ask you a question. You don't have to, don't, don't answer that out loud. But how many of y'all have pretended like you loved somebody, but you really had something in your heart against them? Can I come to this side? I got one hand raised over here. How many of you all have pretended like everything was okay when it really wasn't okay? How many of you had some unmet expectations that you never articulated and when that expectation was not met by your your spouse, your child, your friend, your coworker, you never articulated but when it when that expectation was not met, then now you had all in your heart toward that person but you never said anything about it. You just backed up. You just got in your corner. You said, I'm going to stay in my safe place. I'm going to get behind. I'm going to build this wall because I've been hurt before. And I swore when I was hurt the last time, I would not let another believer hurt me again. So I build my wall. I build my wall. I build my wall. I, th- there's a video. I- I'll show it next week. I've shown it to you before, but it's several years ago, but I want y'all to see it again. And in that video, it talks about uh, how, how people who, who made significant impact in this world, including Dr. King and, uh, you know, from King, Obama, uh, Reagan, uh, uh, Bill Gates, uh, you know, all along, they, they did some things uh, that, that people thought couldn't be done. If you go back in history, and see, it's easy for us to look back and say, man, what a powerful message of peace and, 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 and driving out evil with love. I want to know how many of y'all go around or how many of y'all in your, in your, in your everyday way of thinking uh, would have taken the strategy of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive out evil. I'm going to drive out hate with love. Most folks want to render evil for evil. Most people want to get revenge. And the Bible says vengeance belongs to the Lord. Anytime you try to get revenge on somebody, you are outside of the will of God. Y'all ought to clap on that one. 
because some of our politicians are talking about getting revenge. It ain't about revenge. It's about doing what's right. And vengeance belongs to the Lord and not anybody else. Okay, y'all still with me? But how many of you, how many of you have had to, 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 to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, Pastor, I was pretending like everything was all right, but it wasn't all right. I had something in my heart toward the person because they didn't meet my expectations. Never mind that I never articulated and they agreed upon the expectation, but I, I, I expected them to do this and they didn't do it. And so now I'm in my corner. I'm being guarded. But those, those people did some extraordinary things. You know, Dr. King's uh, legacy lives on. And Dr. King was not a perfect man, but see, God don't ever use perfect people. Right. Have you ever thought about that? We sit back and we look at people who are in, in public view and, 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 and from preachers to ushers to deacons to teachers, and we expect perfection from those who are up in public. Listen, perfection will not be garnered by anybody until they get to see Jesus face to face. But the, 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 the doors that were open and the mere fact that we're sitting here today in this church like we're sitting here today in this church would not have happened had not Dr. King did what he did. Amen. Had he not followed, amen, amen, the, the, the biblical principle of showing love and causing a God consciousness to be permeated to the point to where people made changes in how they did life. So I appreciate that. But again, the church should be also uh, in a place where we uh, are, 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 are called to a, a, a state of being dynamic. Everybody say dynamic. What do you mean by dynamic, Pastor? I mean, the church should be known as a place where the, where the hand of God is moving in such a way that the world takes notice and says, man, what's happening over there? Man, look at what they are doing to transform our community. The church was called to be dynamic. The church was called to be revolutionary. The church was called to challenge tradition. You'd be amazed when you look at your life, how much stuff you do out of tradition. How much your comfort zone is undergirded by the traditions that you had growing up. And what I will tell you, just like Jesus said, <laughs> the Bible says uh, uh, that, that, that your traditions have made the word of God ineffective in your life. The Bible even says this, that, that, that Jesus in his home region, his hometown of Nazareth, could not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their what? Unbelief. Tradition. And unbelief will stop the move of God. And so many times we as Christians, amen, and we as a church community, amen, will settle for just comfortable. When God has called us to be dynamic, he's called us to be revolutionary. He's called us to challenge tradition. He's called us, amen, to be adventurous. He's called us to step out now and be a bridge. And a light and a catalyst for the gospel message, for the kingdom agenda to be displayed here in the earth realm. Are y'all track with me? So let's get back to the text. It says, don't just pretend to love others. 
but really love them. Hate what is hate. Hate what is wrong. You ought to you ought to hate injustice. Don't hate the people, but hate injustice. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Can we keep reading? Verse number 10. It says what? Love each other with what? Get this fake stuff out of here. Now, let me tell you something. I get it. You cannot love the way the Bible says love in your own strength. It is called agape love. You need the Holy Ghost. Of Holy Ghost scares you, the Holy Spirit. You need, amen, the, the paraclete, the one who's called alongside to help us to do this. And so the problem that I see with the church today, many of our churches are scared of the Holy Spirit. Never even heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. Never even talked about it, studied the work of the Holy Spirit as he manifests himself through human beings. But when you learn how to embrace the Holy Spirit's work, when you learn to, to yield your will and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, then you'll begin to do the supernatural things in the earth realm that, that man would deem to be impossible, but the God, amen, who created heaven and earth, amen, as he fills you with his spirit, he uses you to do that thing that may seem to be impossible. And I think God wants to do it through this church. I think God wants to to use this church to exemplify what it means to take him at his word completely and and to not pull back one iota, but to say, for God, I live, for God, I die. I'm going to run with God and I'm not turning back. They should sing a song. I've been running for Jesus a mighty long time and I'm not tired yet. I'm 60 years old, Sister Carolyn, but I'm not tired yet. Been on this journey of faith since my junior year in high school, and I'm not tired yet. I'm going to keep moving, and I'm going to keep doing what God's word says, because I'm not tired yet. Do I get tired? Yes, sometimes I get tired. Physically. It's not often. But physically, because I'm, listen, I, here's what I can appreciate the model that my dad gave me. My dad was always a hard worker. I mean, he would work hard. He would, he would work, I mean, he, he would work seven days a week. All right? Now, I'm not saying that was healthy. <laughs> you understand me? Because everybody needs some rest. So Jesus needed rest, but you don't. We all need to take a break. We all need a vacation. We all need to step back, have some off days. But I can appreciate the hard work because one thing I can tell you, I've never been as a lazy man. Amen. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, hard workers, opportunities will come and chase you down. Amen. When you have skill sets and you're willing to work hard and you're willing to treat people right, if you're willing to, 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 to show godly uh, 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 interaction with people, you'll find that you will be compensated for that. Because I'm here to tell you, I talk to business owners all the time, and they are lamenting the fact that they can't find workers who will work. They can't find folks who will show up. Some will go as far as to get interviewed, maybe even take the drug test, and won't even show up on Monday morning. I don't understand it. Y'all got to help me. I don't see how you make it. 
I don't see how you, I don't, because the Bible says a man don't work, he shouldn't. So why we think we can just chill out and hang out and eat? Oh, you want to eat off me though? Hello? We need to understand that God has called us to ministry service. The apostle Paul, man, I, I love Paul because Paul's mindset was, I'm going to do whatever I can within my power, my might to spread this message to the, to, to the, to the Jew and the, and the Greek, to the Gentiles and the Jews. But my, he says, my apostolic assignment in particular was to the Gentiles. And Paul did everything in his power. Even he went to jail because of his staunch stance for the gospel. And even while he was in jail, he was still praying. And he was even, amen, commending, amen, that the gospel was being spread. Even when those were preaching for the wrong reasons, they were preaching for the wrong reasons, but the gospel was being spread and folks were getting saved. Paul said, more power to you. He says, I know know you're tripping because I'm in jail and you you think it's your time to shine. And you share the message that people get saved. But I just thank God that people get saved. Even though your heart needs to be checked, but you're preaching the gospel message and people are getting saved. Isn't it amazing how God can use fallible people to deliver his message and he can still have impact? He uses us. He uses us with our imperfect selves to share his gospel message and lives are transformed. The transformative power of the gospel is an amazing thing. That's why we should never give up on people because the power of the gospel is available to transform their lives. We got to believe in it to the point where we continue to speak it and share it to those who don't know Christ. Can we keep moving? Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in what? Take delight in honoring each other. Verse number 11 says what? Never be, there it is, but work hard Stop. Enthusiastically is what, what form of language? It's an adverb. An adverb describes how you do the what? Come on. Come on, English. I ain't going to want to make Asian English, Emma. An adverb describes how you do the verb. The verb here is serve whom? And the last word in this sentence tells you how to serve it, which is how. How many of y'all ever been enthusiastic about anything? How many of y'all get enthusiastic when you get ready to go to the ball game? Football. How many of y'all football fans? How many of y'all watch Super Bowl today? Am I, am I talking real fast right now? It sounds like I am. Because the number of times it's running, and I'm trying to get finished. But I'm also, try, I'm also trying to pull the front. Let me slow down. Never be lazy, but work hard. And serve the Lord how? So whenever you're doing anything for the Lord, God is watching your attitude. He's watching your mindset. Because right here he says, serve the Lord how? Enthusiastically. It is my expectation as the under shepherd of this body, whenever we do anything for the Lord, we're going to do it enthusiastically. We're not going to complain. We're not going to murmur. If you got to murmur and complain, you sit your little happy self down and go to your prayer closet and get your mind right first. Because this says, serve the Lord how? That means that there should be some energy with you. That should, I don't care if you're 70 years old, 80 years old, you can do it enthusiastically. Amen. You can, you can, you can serve him. You can worship him. You can praise him enthusiastically. 
Well, you know, it's just not me. It ain't about you. The Bible says, oh, clap your hands. Psalms 47, 1, all you people. Who is all you people? All of us in here. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. And guess what else it said? It says, shout. When's the last time you shouted? As you serve and you praise God. Well, well, you know, I grew up, I grew up, uh, uh, I grew up Episcopalian. I grew up uh, 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 Methodist. And we don't, we don't, we just don't do that. So are now you allowing your denomination to define how you serve God? Or are you going to allow the Bible to define how you serve God? What do you do with the scripture when it says praise them in the temple and the dance? What do you think that means? So I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you danced to the Lord? David did it. Oh, I'm not charismatic. This ain't got to do with charismatic. It's got to do with the Bible. I just want to know will you do what the word of God says. Now think about that. I'm saying that because, see, when you start being biblical, it's going to call you out of your comfort zone. It's going to call, it's going to cause you to do life differently when you say, I'm going to line up my action with the word of God. If God says, oh, clap your hands, all you people, shout with a voice of triumph. I know I have victory in Christ Jesus. So whenever I get a chance, I'm going to praise him. I don't have to be at church. I can be in my car, riding down the highway at the red light. Don't clap when you're driving, baby, because you need both hands on the wheels, at least one. I got to explain it to some of y'all. Some of y'all, some of y'all so do, oh, hallelujah, you run into somebody. And now you want to sue me because I told you to clap unto the Lord. But if you're at the red light, Shout with the voice of triumph, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Well, last time you shouted with the voice of triumph. Now, I bet you this. And I hope that you, I'm betting, I said, I bet you this. Do you know why NFL football is so popular and why so, so many people are going to be watching the Super Bowl? Because they're betting on it. How many of y'all remember the days when the NFL shunned Las Vegas? They wouldn't even put a team there because they didn't want gambling to be a part of the game because they wanted to protect the purity of the game because if, if somebody got to somebody and the guy was getting ready to go in for the touchdown and, and mess up the spread, he may decide to fall down like he got a knee injury or something. And so the, the NFL for years shunned Gambling. College football shun gambling. But guess what now? College football has embraced gambling. The Super Bowl is one of the most highly bet games of any sporting contest in the world. And so people are watching. You think, well, they're watching, man, the game is a blowout. It's the, it's the fourth quarter. I'm just, I'm going to just I'm turn my TV off. Not, not if you got $1,000 on it. On the point spread. Now, what I'm what, listen. I do not advocate gambling. That's poor stewardship. Amen. Christians, look at me. That is poor stewardship. You don't have to bet on something. Bet on Jesus. He says, "I will supply." The Bible says, "All your needs according to His riches and glory." What? By Christ Jesus. But that's why some of the people watch it because you can bet on you can bet on the corn toss, 
You can bet on what the score is going to be at the end of the first quarter. You can bet on who's going to be the MVP. You can bet on a multiplicity of things. And that's why it's really, it's, it's, it's popular. Some folks don't necessarily care about the game. They, they care about the point spread and other stuff. But, but I don't want you Christians to be wasting the money that the Lord has blessed you with gambling. Because gambling can tear a family apart. Are y'all with me? And I said that from the pulpit. And I'll continue to say that because I know I'm right about it. So never be lazy, but work hard and say, serve the Lord how enthusiastically. I got carried away with that, didn't I? Now watch this. Next verse. Let's go. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And God, we got to keep on praying. Next verse. Let's go. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to do what? When God's people are in need, be ready to do what? Quit praying for them. Be filled in Jesus' name. Speaking in tongue over them. But you ain't giving no food. The Bible says they don't do any good. Feed them. Feed them. When they're in need. And try to help them if they... Find out, find out what the problem is, because I'm, I'm always for long-term solutions. I want to know what the problem is. So how do we get here? Well, you know, I don't want to talk about that. No, we got to talk about that. Because if we don't talk about that, you'll be here next month asking for more. And I want to help you to fish. I don't want to just give you a fish. I want to teach you how to fish. I want to teach you how to have enough. Amen? Amen. Amen? So I got to know your story. If you went and gambled the rent money, now you're coming to the church for your rent money, we got a problem. Now, I may help you the first time, but we got to solve the issue. Quit going to the boat and throwing your money away. Some of y'all are like, well, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, I just give it and the Lord, no, 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 Lord hold you responsible for being a good steward of his money. Just give it, it don't matter, what it, it does matter what they do with it. Because what you end up doing, you end up enabling the habit. Amen. You ena- some of y'all have enabled, amen, your, your brother's poor stewardship because your brother keeps borrowing money from you and never repay you. Well, I don't ask him, you know, it, ain't none of my, it is your business. It ain't my business until you come ask me for my money or the Lord's money. Can I put it that way? Yeah. Is that fair enough? I will not ask you about your business until you, and you, until you bring me into it. When you bring me into it, I'm going to try to help you. I'm not going to try to spare you. I'm going to talk gently in love, but particularly as a former banker, I, I need to know some things about how you handle your money. I, I'm kind of wired that way. Everybody's not wired that way. We got some here who are wired that way. We want to know what you're doing. Let's, let's look at a budget. How much are you spending at McDonald's and Burger King and and, and Orlando's and, 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 and Chili's and, and Olive Garden and, and, and I look at your account and I see all this money spent there. That's where your seed going. Well, Brother Pastor, you know, I just can't tie. You can't tie it because Burger King got your tie money. All right. So, so some practical ways believers can build bridges and accept one another. We got to accept one another. That's what the Bible says. Number one, compare yourself to Jesus and not to others. Remember Jesus told a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector who came to the temple on the same day to pray. Y'all remember that in Luke 18? 
<laughs> and um, look at it right quick. Watch this. Watch the attitude of this guy. I pray we don't have nobody like that in here. I pray that we don't. We're going to pray that spirit out of you. And if we can't pray it out of you, we're going we're we're to, I don't know what we're going to do. We're gonna, we got to do something with you, though. Luke 18, verse number nine. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and they scorned everybody else. How many of y'all think you so, see something? Now, now we, all, we, all, we all be proud of who we are in Christ Jesus, but how many, I pray that nobody thinks of themselves more highly than they ought to, as the Bible says. Next verse, let's go. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was the despised tax collector. Not tax collectors. Despised. I know people don't like to pay taxes. Right? Right? But you do know that the government don't have any money unless they get it from us. I want to pay my fair share, but I don't want to pay more. I'd rather, amen, have more to sow into ministry and we can do ministry because I know how we do ministry. I don't always know how the government do stuff. From what I've seen, a lot of time is very inefficient and not very well run, but that's just my opinion, okay? If you work for the government, I ain't talking about you. I am not talking about your department. I'm just saying, as I observe, sometimes the massiveness, especially the federal and state government can be inefficient, all right? So I'd rather give it myself, okay? But the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this. Listen to this guy. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. Isn't he full of himself? He says, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certain that not like that tax collector. Now watch these guys coming to the temple to pray at the same time. Watch this. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. This dude was tithing, but his heart wasn't right. So you can give money and your heart's not right. God is more concerned about your heart than he is your money. I tell y'all before, listen, if, if, if you can't give right, keep it. Because God ain't going to bless you. You're not going to hear any other preacher tell you that, but I'm telling you if, you, if your heart is not right and you don't know how to give right, then keep it. Because God is not after your money, he's after your heart. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dare not even lift up his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Next verse, let's go. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be what? Humble. And those who humble themselves will be what? God loves humility. So stop comparing yourself to others. Okay? If you're going to accept people, you got to stop comparing yourself to others. Stop doing that. Let people do what they do. Stop comparing. I don't even do that with churches. I tell you before, if God is blessing another church to grow, more power to them. If they're getting people saved and they're being disciple, why am I mad at them? Why I got to talk about them because they're growing? And maybe we're not growing as fast. That's crazy. We're on the same team. If you're preaching Jesus, compare yourself to Jesus and not to others. That'll save some of y'all a whole lot of heartache if you stop comparing yourself to other people. Number two, stand for your convictions with a gentle spirit. We have conviction, but there is a, there is a sense of mean-spirited vitriol that is permeating this country right now. Amen. 
I don't have to agree with you, but I don't have to tear you down because I don't agree with you politically. That's the craziest thing. And for a believer to do that, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. We got to love right. Can you with us? Stand for your convictions with a gentle spirit. Ephesians 4 and 15. Let's read that right quick. And I got to move because I'm going to finish this today. As you go home and watch the Super Bowl, you won't have, get a chance to talk about me. He did three points instead of two. I'm doing two. <laughs> watch this. Ephesians 4, verse number 15. Is that where we're going? Ephesians 4 and 15 says this. Instead, we will speak. Now, you can't start with instead. Let's go back. Um, verse number 14. Let's go back to 14. Then, there's it again. We can't stop. Let's go back to 13. This will continue until we all, what was this? Verse number 11. Let's go back to verse number 11. I can't start in the middle like that. You know, that's not theologically correct. Verse number 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. It says what? Their responsibility is to do what? The body of Christ. Those gifts' responsibility is to equip you and to build you up, the body of Christ. That's what my responsibility is. I got to try to equip you. That's why I preach so hard because I'm, I'm trying to equip. I'm trying to give you. I don't want anybody to have an excuse for saying, I didn't know that the Bible taught that. So, First, verse 13, let's read. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, there are some who think that some of these fivefold ministry gifts have gotten done away with, but my, my question I would ask you and them is this. This says those gifts will continue to equip and to prepare people until when? Until what? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, doing what? Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ right now? When do you think that's going to happen? When you see him face to face. Because as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to be lacking. We're not, the full and complete standard of Christ, which was a sinless existence. So we need these gifts to help us get there, right? Next verse, let's read. Then, there it is, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. We will speak the truth what? We will speak the truth how? Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Who is the head of his body, the church? Do you not know sometimes you can speak the truth and not do it in love and people won't receive it? What you said was true, but you hollered, you cussed, you had an attitude, you shook your head. They couldn't receive it because of your attitude. The Bible says, speak the truth how? In love. So if we're going to accept one another, we got to stand for our convictions with a gentle spirit, we speak the truth in love. Paul called it speaking the truth in love. Number three, reach out in friendship to the person whom you disagree. See, it's one thing to exchange heated social media posts or make accusations about others, but it's usually a different atmosphere 
when you have the opportunity to discuss things face to face. If we're going to build bridges, reach out in friendship to the person whom you disagree with. Two spiritually mature people ought to be able to get along with each other even when there are strong disagreements. Spiritually mature. Now, if you're not spiritually mature, you're not going to be able to do this very well. If you're not, if you're not relying on the, on the Holy Spirit, that agape love permeated on the inside, you, you can't do this very well. But if you're spiritually mature, you ought to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Number four, listen patiently to those who are different than you. You can learn something from everybody. Learn how to listen patiently to those who are different than you. When you carefully, respectfully listen to the person who disagrees with you, you gain an understanding of his position, and it's easier to, it's easier to be tolerant. That person is also more likely to respectfully listen to you and consider your position. Stop arguing with people. Did y'all hear me? Some of y'all got cousins and family members. You, you spend all your time arguing about the Bible. I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. We, we gonna, uh, now, we ought to contend for the faith. That means we stand uh, on, on our conviction. But, but stop arguing. Stop being just wild. Amen. Let's do it the right way. And lastly, practice seeing people the way God sees them. And that's, I don't have time to go there, but 1 Samuel 16 and 7. Remember when uh, the, the next king was, uh, uh, was um, going to be appointed? And uh, Jesse's boy, he, he brought out the one that looked kingly. Be careful about how people look. He looked like a preacher. What does that mean? He looks like a preacher. All right. David didn't look the part, but he was the chosen one. Learn to get beyond the externals and see people for who they are on the inside. When Jesus saw the woman at the well, he didn't look at her as man sees her. He didn't he didn't see a lowly, sinful woman from a despised ethnic group. He saw a heart. His tolerant spirit combined with a strong stance for truth saved her soul and those of her fellow townspeople. He set an example that we should all follow. By the way, as I close, he's tolerant of our sins too. He didn't throw us away. I don't know about you, but I thank God he didn't throw me away when I messed up. He accepts us and loves us anyway, and he calls us to do the same for others. I don't mean that, you, that, you, that you're okay with sin. It just means that you don't throw people away when they mess up, when they say something, say something wrong. You learn how to accept people so that we can grow in love together. Jesus died so that you and I could be his chosen vessels here in the earth. And if we're going to do it effectively, we got to accept one another. Jew and Gentile. Amen. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. The gospel was given so that these two, all ethnic groups could come together into one body. And that won't happen if we don't learn how to accept one another. But I thank God for the spirit in this church. I thank God that y'all listen to sound biblical teaching. And we're going to walk in the word of God. Every head bowed by our clothes.